There was a little girl named Odette who lived in Paris along with her sister and brother and her parents. It was the 1930s and even though Odette was born in France, she wasn't French. Her family was actually Hungarian and her parents had emigrated from a small town just outside Budapest several years before she was born. Odette's entire family was Jewish and in those days it wasn't safe to be a Jew in Hungary. In fact, in the 1920s, thousands upon thousands of Jews fled Hungary for other countries um, that would be more hospitable to them, or at least those in which anti-Semitism wasn't sanctioned by the state as it was at the time in Hungary. Odette's parents were from the same town, but they emigrated to France at different times. And eventually, years later, in the community of Hungarian Jewish immigrants in Paris, they reconnected. They were married, they started a family, and their youngest child, Odette, was born in 1933. Sadly, as the historical record shows, France did not prove to be any more hospitable to Odette's family and to the Jewish population than Hungary was. When Odette was just seven years old, the French government, while under Nazi occupation, took a census to determine who was a Jew. Soon after that, waves of roundups began to take place and Jews were sent to the camps. When Odette turned nine, her parents had her and her two siblings baptized into the Roman Catholic Church in the hopes that they wouldn't be discovered and shipped off to the camps. Many other Jewish parents did the same, fearing for the lives of their children. But it wasn't enough. It was still too dangerous for them in Paris. And so Odette and her brother and sister were sent south of Paris to the region of Burgundy to a small village where they were given shelter by a Catholic family and their identities were kept secret for three years until the war ended. During those years, Odette's father was taken and sent to the camps, but he survived and eventually the family was reunited in Paris. A family of French-Hungarian immigrant Jews who, by the grace of God, somehow had survived the Holocaust. So who's Odette? Why am I telling you her story? Well, as it happens, Odette is my grandmother, my mother's mother. She's 86 years old now, and I got to spend time with her just last week, in fact. And as we talked, and I gazed into her beautiful, dark eyes, I was haunted by the ghosts of her childhood memories. How could she, a lovely little child, be an object of such extraordinary hate? How did she survive it? How did her, how did her parents, Edward and Charlotte, how did they survive it? They were prepared to do anything to save their children, even sending them off for refuge into the French countryside. How did they bear it? How did Odette, my Mimi, how did she survive separation from her parents? At any moment, the story could have taken a different turn. 
as it did for so many others. To imagine myself in their place, striving to protect their children no matter what, is completely agonizing. All I can do is to wonder at their strength and to give thanks for that rural, good French Catholic family and just marvel at the grace of God in it all. In the second chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, we see these same agonizing questions at play. A family is fleeing violence, striving to protect their child at any cost. And it's not just any family. It's the holy family who are forced to become refugees, fleeing from Bethlehem in Judea to safety in Egypt, of all places, in Egypt. The story is told in a similar vein to our modern-day primetime news. It's at the level of ruling authorities, you know, the politicians, what they do and don't do, how they feel or don't feel. King Herod is paranoid. He's anxious about his political standing. He confers with his court prophets. And then stately foreign figures show up. And Herod tries to enlist them in his plan. And when he discovers he's been tricked, he reacts by unleashing a campaign of terror, murdering the infant children of Bethlehem, the massacre of the innocents, as it's called. So much of the story we hear is devoted to the headlines that Herod makes, so very little to the agony that the Holy Family must have undergone. Joseph is warned in a dream by an angel. He gets up and they flee to Egypt in the night. And years pass and in another dream, Joseph is told it is safe to return. All we get are the bare bones of the story. And yet we can't help but wonder how this family had the strength to survive it. The possibility that violence could have come to them at any moment. Always fearing for the safety of their child. Wondering if they would be welcomed once they'd crossed the border. Or if there were even more trials yet to come. They went through the same set of struggles then that millions of refugee families are going through today from the Syrian family seeking refuge in France, to the Rohingya family that has fled to China, to the Guatemalan family huddled together at the southern U.S. border. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were all refugees, a fact that we should change how we think about all refugees. In 1938, back when Odette was five years old, the Episcopal Church published a poster in response to the wave of European Jewish refugees seeking asylum. It's a depiction of a full moon right behind them that serves as a kind of halo. And Joseph, who's walking close by, on the lookout. And the text on the poster reads this. In the name of these refugees, aid all refugees shows us how to connect our faith with our lived experience from Jesus all the way to Odette and on to those who are seeking after shelter and asylum even today, even now.
1938, the same year that the poster came out, Fortune magazine polled Americans on a question. And the question was, what is your attitude towards allowing German, Austrian, and other political refugees to come into the United States? And the vast majority of these refugees were, of course, Jews. Fewer than 5% of respondents said that the US should encourage the presence of these refugees if it meant raising the quotas. By contrast, 67% of respondents, two-thirds, said that with conditions as they are, we should try to keep them out. And that's what happened. In June of the next year, 1939, a ship carrying over 900 Jewish refugees escaping from Germany was refused at the port in Miami due to the quota. It was sent back to Europe, where hundreds of its passengers died later on in the Nazi camps. It's an appalling piece of history. It's not as well known as it should be, but it forces us to take Jesus seriously when he says in Matthew chapter 25, I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Whatever you did not do to the least of my brothers and sisters, you did not do to me. To live as a Christian is to act as though Jesus is present. Not present symbolically, not present in theory, but really, truly present. And the response is to follow him wherever he goes. And because Jesus was himself a refugee, we can be certain that Jesus is present among refugees, the least of his brothers and sisters. On this 12th day of Christmas, on this eve of the Feast of Epiphany, we learn that the Jesus who is wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and visited by kings from afar is the same Jesus who is on the road, fleeing danger, fearing for his life. The love which came down at Christmas does not stay in the nativity scene for very long because the Holy Family is on the move, searching for safety, enduring everything out of love for their son, who was the living, breathing image of the almighty and invisible God. This dark-eyed toddler, this lovely little child, let us be ready to welcome him with open arms whenever he shows up at our door. Amen.